Hey gang, welcome to episode 153 of the No Priscinium podcast, the voice of everything immersive, brought to you by Meow Wolf. That sounded like a question. I'm Noah Nelson. I'm your host here in NoPro headquarters in glorious, glorious, glorious Los Angeles, California. This week on the show, we're investigating the vampire threat in Los Angeles. That's right, folks. There's a woman. There's a woman who's opened up an illegal den of vampires. Vampires, I tell you, right there in downtown Los Angeles. Her name is Rachel Foti, and we're going to expose exactly what she's done with this Count's den. Um, <laughs> I kind of can't believe I managed to do that because I, I did a version of the opening, but then I forgot to do something right at the top. I've like completely forgotten how the show starts, apparently. It's like one week of life, and I'm like, I don't know what anything is anymore. Um, <laughs> but uh, this... Uh, this uh, coffee culture, uh, coffee culture uh, forty six that I'm on is like really good. So um, if you're a, if you're a coffee uh, people and you want to sponsor the show, uh, you know, give me give me free coffee and I'll talk to you about you there. Uh, they didn't. I bought this bag. It was just on sale at Gelson's. And yes, shock, Gelson's has sales. And if you're in Los Angeles, you know what Gelson's is. And if you're not in Los Angeles, just, you know, that expensive grocery store that you probably shouldn't go to, but it carries the only, it's the only one that carries like the good selection of the thing that you're addicted to. Yeah, that's Gelson's. Um, Hey, hi, good morning. Um, I sat down this week with Rachel Foti of uh, Horror Escapes LA, who indeed has opened up a den of vampires in downtown Los Angeles. And uh, we had a very lovely conversation. Uh, we talked about uh, sort of how she got into making escape rooms. Uh, it's not what I expected. Uh, Rachel and I hadn't talked about her history. Um, I still haven't played any of her games yet, but uh, a few months back when they were doing the Ready Player One uh, installation, uh, she toured me around what uh, she had built. She had built part of it. We get into that in the in the, um, in the the episodes. I don't want to spoil any parts of the conversation. But um, Rachel's, you know, one of these independent entrepreneurs who is just getting into the, this whole thing for the love of the game, uh, literally the love of the game. And she's managed to put together uh, what she refers to as a, a micro community. And that got me thinking, uh, like I, I have a lot of thoughts coming out of this interview, a lot of thoughts, uh, some of which I'll share with you on the back end. Uh, but before we do that, before we get into the full interview here, just want to take a moment to thank our latest Patreon backer, and that's Aaron Me. The one and only Aaron Me of This Is Not a Theater Company. Thank you, Aaron, for for jumping on board. Uh, and this is a month that's that's a, a relatively critical month for us here at NoPro in that you know we've made this big leap forward with uh, with the Male Wolf sponsorship, uh, the underwriting, and we 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 need to seize the moment and charge forward. So um, what what I want everyone, to, well, here's what I want. You know, every time I come along and I'm like, oh, like, tell somebody about it. Okay, if you're a person who's gone and told people about NoPro and gotten them excited about it or like shared it, um, you're off the hook this time. Oh, but if you've heard me say that a gajillion times, and I have said it a gajillion times, and I kind of hate saying it because like tooting my own horn is not something I enjoy, and I do it every week. Willies. Oh, this coffee really is working. Um... This time we need you to do it. Um, go find that friend who you think might be curious and tell them about the resource. You can tell them about the website, tell them about the podcast. Uh, you don't have to tell them about the Patreon. Just get them on board because if we can grow this out, right? If we had 10 times the number of people interacting with everything immersive, interacting with, um, we've got 700 people in the in the Slack right now, which is amazing. Uh, but if we had 10 times the people, we'd have 10 times the resources. That's just how math works. Um, <laughs> what I'm saying is with 10 times the people, I could be just as lazy as I am now in terms of like self-promotion and we'd, we'd get out there. And Catherine does everything she can to like keep our Twitter feed like out there saying like, pay attention to us and like, like look at all the stuff we do. Um, 
and uh, and and God bless her for it because like I don't I I often don't have the stomach for it. So uh, I got the stomach for other things, as we all know. Um, ooh, coffee really is working. So once again, uh, coffee culture uh, forty six nine ninety nine at Gilson's right now uh, for a whole bag. Um, <laughs> why am I advertising coffee? Because I live off of it. Okay, we got a couple other people to thank. We have our sustaining backers. Uh, really, uh, without the sustaining backers, uh, we would just implode. So they are Bradley Smith, Jan Budman, Lonnie Hanson. Lonnie's having a, a big weekend in Denver this week. Uh, he does the installations for Pride. So go, Lonnie. Uh, he won't, this might be one of the episodes he doesn't listen to like right off the bat. So he'll be surprised that I stop the middle of the thing. It's like he just usually goes by rote. I mean, maybe he just fast forwards through, but... If you're if you're out in Denver and you're going to any Pride events and you see a big art installation, there is a better than even chance that that is Lonnie's work. Arthur Tubman, Ari Hurston, Sam Kinkin, and Ross Sigworth, thank you all for being the spine that keeps this show standing upright and marching into the future. Okay, we have done all of that, which we are not just contractually obligated to do, but that we enjoy doing, and now... Now, I've already set up the episode, so let's jump in. I was about to say dive right in, but then I'd be stealing Kent By's line. Let's jump in. Let's let's unearth. Let me tell you something. We're going to go into downtown Los Angeles, and we're going to smoke out these vampires. And not in the way that people can legally smoke people out now here in California, but in the way that you used to smoke vampires out, which is just with fires. Um, I don't know where this character is coming from. But maybe I'll take him to the Count's Den. Here we go. So, Rachel, where where are we sitting right now? Uh, right now, you're in the beautiful space of the Count's Den, a vampire coven here in downtown Los Angeles. And I will say, um, this... Yeah, you got your red walls, your exposed brick, uh, your spooky, spooky lighting, um, and you know there's there's some flickering of the lights going on. It's almost like a hypnotic pattern, perhaps designed to lull mere mortals into a sense of <laughs> it is. Chance. It is. It is very Victorian type decor, creepy haunted mansion type vibe. That's true. That is that is that is an accurate description. Um, so the Count's Den, this is sort of a this works as both the the lobby for the escape room here and kind of as a, as a mini venue. So maybe we can roll back and start off by talking about horror escapes and what that is and, and how you got into making escape rooms in the first place. So horror escapes was developed when. Me personally, I started falling in love with escape rooms. I was actually going through a really hard time in my life. And so the one thing that was a great distraction and a healthy distraction was me traveling around and doing escape rooms by myself. Uh, Little did I know when I actually opened up an escape room, there hasn't been one person that came in solo by themselves. So I've now realized how insane I was and in love I was. You might have been a bit of a weirdo. Uh, A little bit of a weirdo. You're not supposed to do this by yourself. (laughs) Right, right. It sounds relaxing, actually. Like, I gotta say. It was so relaxing. I mean, I don't drink. I don't party. I don't do any of that. So when I was going through a really hard time in my life, going around and playing escape rooms and that sense of accomplishment and that sense of focus and distraction and really escaping what I was going through in my life at the moment and going into a different world and actually getting feelings of accomplishment. And um, I got a little addicted to that, to be honest, and I loved it and it brought a lot of joy to my life and got me through a really hard time. Um, So that was the birth of Horror Escape. So it was around um, uh, Halloween time and I wanted to create my own little escape type pop-up thing and I was like you know let's see let's see what happens and so I did it and I fell in love with it I fell in love with the creative process of it and I would say that was the first time in my life where I was a real estate agent before so it was the first time in my life where getting out of the rat race and taking my savings and saying you know what I want to create I've always been a creative person I want to 
create something that gave me such a good experience for other uh, for myself for other people. So you you were a real estate agent before this. Yes. And yet, like there's there's a lot of there's a lot of craft in here, right? So like, where's where does that sense go? You were talking about how like last night you were you were you were caught painting covered in paint by some folks because mm-hmm. you were working on something. And when we were you were giving me a little tour here, you were talking about you know chiseling away at drywall in order to, and finding like exposed brick and being like this is great and mm-hmm. and and almost you know somewhere between like an interior designer and a construction worker was how you were talking mm-hmm. to me. So like where's where's that mix of skill comes comes from? You know, I think it comes from my dad, (laughs) actually. It comes as a child. Um, Growing up, my dad was a maintenance man in the apartment complex that we lived in. And as a little girl, I would go around with him to the different apartments and help fix the dishwasher or the garbage disposal. And I was always getting into paint or doing something with him. And so actually, that was, I think, since I was a little girl, I really enjoyed creating and painting and all of that. And I, and I give that all to my dad. My dad lives in Boston right now. So um, whenever I was painting or, you know, I laid down some flooring and or, um, you know, whatever I'm doing, I send him pictures hmm. while he's on the East Coast. And I say, Dad, what do you think of this? Or do you have any advice with this? And my dad's a great decorator as well. And so it's actually just a good bonding experience throughout this process with my father. So the first the first thing was, uh, it was Night Shift? Was that the first experience or was that before then? No, Horrorscapes um, has been around for about a year and a half, almost two years now. Um, coming up on August will be two years officially. Um, Night Shift was just this past uh, Halloween. So what was the first Halloween? What was the first thing uh, you set up? Was it the first escape room? That was the first escape. That was Dr. X, okay. which has been, you know, the the very first one and my baby. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, what, why, why horror? Why that genre? Because there's a, and why, and, and brand the company around the, the horror genre. You know, when we started, it was around Halloween time. Mm. And I was like, why not do a horror experience for Halloween time? And it, it kind of markets to the masses at this time. Um, so I, I wasn't sure if the escape room industry was something that I was going to stick with as a career. Mm. It was really just something of like, hey, I want to take my savings. I want to do something different. I want to go into a creative direction. Let's try this out and see if it's a sustainable um, income and business. And, um, and if I enjoy it or not, if it gives me pleasure, if it gives me happiness, opposed to the rat race that I was in with real estate and then advertising before that. Mm. Um, and lo and behold, it gave me that pleasure and happiness just seeing. It was that one time, I, re- I remember specifically, a family came through the rooms. And it was a teenage boy with his parents. And when they came in initially before going into the escape room, he was just kind of sulking, like didn't really want to hang out with mom and dad. You know, they were excited, but he was just like, whatever. They went in the escape room together. When they came out, they were like high-fiving and like hugging. And I was like, yes, that's what it's about. And I realized right then and there, okay, this is something I want to pursue and do. So that's when you knew the emotional part of it was there. Mm -hmm. When did you know that you could make it as a business and wanted to start doubling down on that part of it? Uh, When the emotional... Uh, satisfaction and happiness came there was no other option for me Mm. Um, I was so discontent and so uh, just emotionally conflicted um, working in real estate and advertising before Um, bad bosses not really happy with the co-workers I was working I was just really discontent it just didn't feel natural to me and so regardless you know I spent a good amount of money to start it up but knowing that people were coming in and even if it wasn't paying off initially of like what I was making in real estate, that emotional, you can't buy emotional contentment. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the payback that I realized, okay, this isn't an option anymore. Like I'm not making it an option to be discontent anymore. I mm. want to be happy. And so that's when the business decision was made also. They went hand in hand for me. So Dr. X was the first room, 
and then talk to me about talk to me about Night Shift, which was what you did this last Halloween, because it feels like it feels like there was sort of a, there's been an acceleration from Night Shift through to the Count's Den, like the sort of there's 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 a voice emerging here. Yeah, there was definitely a progression. So with Dr. X, um, there's actually three different chapters to Dr. X. So how I built the uh, Dr. X chapters, it was a complete storyline with three different chapters in three different rooms. So you have his doctor's office, you have his lab, and you have his captive chamber. So I rolled out the first room and then the two other rooms a few weeks after. And... It was all, you know, and it still is all storyline based where they were all connected. And I didn't, you know, at the time I knew nothing of immersive theater. I knew nothing of that community. Um, I knew I had a story in my head that I wanted people to experience. And, um, and so I built that story around those escape rooms and connected them all in that way. Um, from there, when it came to Night Shift, I really, well, also in Dr. X, we have live actors also that interact with you. And I really like that, but I wanted to develop it more in a way where you had to talk to them or they had to talk to you and there was more interaction on that level. And I said, and I started going to immersive experiences and checking those out and really getting, because um, I realized a lot of people in the escape room community also enjoyed immersive theater. So making friends on Facebook and kind of expanding my network of people, I was like, ooh, what's this experience? What's that, what's that experience? And I was like, that's so cool. There's no escape room elements really in there. There isn't really lock and key or puzzles or um, thinking it's more of a pushed through experience with actors. And I said, what if we did something where we tried anyway? We, let's just try to combine the two. I don't know. It might be a complete shit show, but let's, let's try it. And so that's how um, Night Shift emerged. It was uh, just a branch off of the escape room industry and my love for immersive theater and said, hey, let's bring these two together and just see what happens. So from there and what you've done now, so like, I guess as a few months ago, the room we're in, you were describing to me, was just blank, bare. I mean, it's a, it's a storefront. So it was mm-hmm. just like it was whatever it was beforehand, storefront-wise. Mm-hmm. Could have been a bodega. Like, like mm-hmm. I could imagine this was easily, at some point in its life, mm-hmm. uh, a, a, local, a local market. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what moved you to make... Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Yeah, I've never sneezed on the show before. Bless you. Um, thank you. Um, that's, I think that's a first. Bless um, you. It's good luck. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's late spring, early summer in Los Angeles. I'm sure there's this pollen. Um, so this, this space we're in right now, I mean, I wasn't joking earlier when I said, like, this is cool, right? Like, this is definitely, you've, you've put a lot of effort in here. Like, it's got, it's got a, a real flavor to it. And it's not small either. So what possessed you to take this room and turn it into a lounge, a lobby, and, and kind of a performance space now? And then we'll get into exactly what the Count's Den is. Because I think a lot of people are curious as to what the Count's Den is. Mm-hmm. And I think you're still figuring it out yourself. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but when did you decide, like, okay, we're going to do something with this space? Um, so it was kind of, to be honest, this space specifically, the location of it was kind of forced upon me. So mm-hmm. Horror Escapes is next door to us, and then this, the other storefront right next door. And so this space next to it, this was actually, um, there was kind of squatters in here and activity going on in here where they were throwing like 420 parties and like kind of smoking us out next door, mm-hmm. loud music, always a problem. Um, I had to call the fire department on the people that were in here. I had to um, call my landlord and try to get him evicted, which eventually we did. And I just didn't want to have that problem anymore, to be honest. So that kind of, um, when the space became open and my landlord was like, okay, it's right next door. Do you want to expand? Do you want this? I'll, like, I'd rather have you take care of it and, and, you know, do something with it. And I said, well, you know, maybe we can work out a good deal. Like, let me know what you're talking. So really, the space itself, this specific location, it's ideal because it's right next door 
to my other escape rooms, which also has a lobby, but it's a smaller lobby. And I thought, you know what? My love for immersive theater after I, I did Night Shift, it made me want, it made me want to really explore um, um, doing something on a bigger scale than just escape rooms. And I said, you know what? Let's figure it out. And then it was kind of perfect timing. Um, there's a, a lady named Anna, who is my partner in, at this location. And she's from Denmark. And she wanted to come over on a work visa. So I said, well, would you be interested in maybe starting an escape room or finding a location? And so um, she's like, yeah, I want to invest. I want to do this. Let's do it. And I said, well, I have a spot right next door to me that is vacant and open. And my landlord basically is like pushing it on me to take it for not that much. So let's do this. And so that's when the decision was like, it's almost everything was lining up so perfectly <laughs> that... You just had to. I had to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, no, if, if you've got the ability to expand, like, right next door, I mean, like, it's almost like... So, like, why... Okay, so that's that's the business background, the economic. So why why this whole idea of the Count's Den? Why, like, this big space? And what is it that you've been doing so far? Because you've got this whole, like, membership system going on, and, like, you've been putting events in here. Mm -hmm. So what what is the Count's Den, other than this gorgeous haunted mansion vampire lair? <laughs> well, you know what? To be completely frank with you, I'm not 100% sure. It's definitely evolving. It's, it's new. Um, we're figuring it out as we go along to see what the community wants from it and also what the actors, um, our vampires of the Count's Den, want from it also to creatively grow. Um, I thought it would be cool to have an idea of almost like a collaboration with um, other artists where they had a set space and location to come and um, develop character dynamics and um, develop their character over extended period of time in the same location. And so I reached out and I put my feelers out and there's um, people that got very excited about that and wanted to commit to that. And so um, I just thought that was cool. Instead of having, um, you know, an immersive experience like Night Shift or something, a one-off where you're, given, you're giving someone a character, these are your lines, this is how you're supposed to act, this is how you're supposed to interact with people, this is how you're supposed to feel or portray how you feel in this show. Um, what if they had the creative flexibility to develop their own character, come up with their own, you know, emotional response to people, um, develop their character over a period of time um, that it's not taken away from them. And they actually, they own it. They own their character. Well, and so what did you give them as sort of a, a baseline, right? Because, I mean, like, artists require something to kind of bounce off of. So is there mm -hmm. a, just sort of a, a, a core story to this space, a mythology here? There is. There is a core story, and we're continuously developing it on the back end. Um, down to, uh, they're all vampires, so that's oh, yeah. number one. That's, that's the easy one. <laughs> all the characters are vampires. All so the characters are vampires. There are some secrets in, in, um, that we are not exposing to the mortals just yet, but we have developed um, each character in, uh, in, a, in a very in-depth way from when they were born as a mortal, if they were always mortal, when did they become vampire, when did they turn, what year, what month, what exact day was that? I mean, we've sat down and really drawn out very specific um, characteristics of each character, of what they want to play with with people. Are, just, do members of like this collective class, do they have like a, a role-playing game background or is, are these all actor-actors? Most or? of them, actually a lot of them worked on, I hired for the Ready Player One experience. Mm. Uh, I would say one, two, three of them are from that experience. So after that ended, that experience ended, they were like, hey, do you have any other work or I'm available or what else are you up to? And I said, well, I got this vampire thing I'm doing. How do you feel about vampires? <laughs> and they were like, I'm in, totally in. Um, so a lot of them have, actually all of them have immersive backgrounds um, or been in other immersive experiences and acting. Exp they all have acting experience. That's all their main goal is in, in 
for a main career is acting. Now, I know what you did on it, but like, let's sidebar real fast. Uh, for, for the Ready Player One experience that popped up at Hollywood and Vine, what did you do on, what did you do on that? So for that, I led the set design for all of the 80s room. And so they basically gave me a picture, like a poster of the movie, and said, recreate this space, recreate this room. So we literally went out to different yard sales and hunted on eBay for that Felix the Cat clock to even the record on the wall. I had to make that and make sure that we weren't, you know, using the wrong IP or anything like that. And um, everything from the cassette tapes to the VHS tapes, we had to create the labels on that. So I designed and led the set design on that. See, this is why I was kind of surprised when you said that your background was in advertising and real estate. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, you're, you're rocking out production designer, like, stuff left and right and like if you had told me like oh oh yeah you know I used to do production design on television like I got tired like I wanted to like see people in my spaces and mm-hmm. I just got tired of like putting things up and knocking them down or just like putting a setup you know a couple of times a year and and you're telling me like oh yeah no 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 like this is like this is just your passion and you come to because I'm like I would not have guessed that you're just starting out on your journey as as a production designer yeah you know I, I feel to be honest with you like I feel like it's my path I, like I found my passion, I found my love. It's it's something that when I say I worked 16 hours a day, it doesn't feel like work. Like it does at times, yeah. but I mean, <laughs> I mean it does at times, of course. Well, you're not answering to anyone, but, but you're not you're not answering to a boss. You're answering yeah. to to your customers, you're answering to fans. Like that's it's a different type of answering. Yeah. Right. For the Ready Player One, that was a little bit different. Um, the main producers for that client um, brought me in as a producer with them, and I joined their team. And then told me basically, well, this is what we need to handle, right. and what can you pick up, what can we pick up, and then let's collaborate on this project and get it done. And so um, that was kind of the only time really that I had to answer to somebody or work with people to kind of create it. But yeah, this other stuff is, yeah, I just answer to the actors who are here and make sure that they're happy and developing their character and space that they want to participate in and, and then to the community itself of what they want in an experience. And I'm constantly learning and just trying to grow. I mean, I laugh when I think the first time when I created the escape room compared to like how I feel about it now and, and, and what I'm trying to do now with like Edmund's Addict and the Count's Den. Um, I, I want to redo all my rooms now. <laughs> so what's, what's a night at the Count's Den like? Well, we, it's not every night. So we have a whole back-end uh, Slack and forum uh, where people are participating and interacting with characters. And um, typically Thursday nights is when members will join and we'll have a game night or we'll have a um, movie night. And... Um, or BYOB and they'll bring it in and we just hang out as like a really small micro community and you know they want to come they want to come if not um, they just say they can't make it on the slack and it's really building just a micro community just like any other back-end forum immersive experience Um, the cool thing though is when you come for those game nights or you come for those movie nights there's never a dull moment there's always vampires in here it's always like think of like a mini episode of like a soap like a vampire soap opera that's what it's like there's always something drama or like for example the other game night elizabeth um one of our vampires was out on a run at nighttime and she came busting through the back door during and disrupted our game night um because she drank too long on a person that was actually dead and she felt sick and queasy and so she had to be like carried in by the other vampires and like say that she was sorry to the countess and like confess to all the mortals what she has done and so it was like a whole scene and so there's never a dull moment so even though it's game night or movie night it's like you get these little mini um episodes of immersive theater around you and you said that you're like going forward you're starting to prep around the idea of episodes like around the idea of like different character based episodes right that's what you're saying before you came on Oh, uh, for the series? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yes, we're prepping for that. So um, I'm really excited about it. So we decided that 
each character has a complete background of what their last um, mortal breath was before they became fully turned. And so we're creating a series, um, a vampire origin series, and then each episode is going to be called Remember Me and then the character's name. So Jermaine, Elizabeth, the Countess Cora. And you're taken on a, uh, into a flashback of that last night. So it's, uh, we want to do probably half hour to 45 minute shows for each one of those characters so the mortals can actually gain more of an emotional connection of what happened to them when they became a vampire or what that night was like. And so that's coming up five different shows throughout 2018. And those are going to be live shows that are here at the Den? Uh, not specifically here at the Den. Oh, okay. No, no, uh, but yes, live shows. Okay. That's fascinating. Like you're 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 building like a little, not a little, but like you're you're building a, a transmedia experience out of out of a space. That's kind of that's sort of that's fascinating because like there's there's definitely there are other escape rooms that have like high production values when we have like you know involved storylines like I think of like the you know, the basement right like mm-hmm. that's sort of the Ur one mm-hmm. and that's, that place has got a lot of character to it mm-hmm. right uh, and the sets are like and the, the rooms themselves are ridiculously amazing yeah Caden does a great job yep. the, the production design <laughs> there is like scary good yeah. and and there's of course all the the, the involved storyline there of like you know Tandy and he's playing with the Tandy candy mm-hmm. thing um, and this this is this, this other angling because like so many rooms often like they have no character they've got no overarching theme they've got nothing that binds it together and yet you're you're sort of you're building like an entire like franchise IP sort of from the ground up via just playing around with the idea of vampires and like people who want to like kind of throw themselves into the mix. Yeah, for for the Count's Den specifically, it we do have Edmund's Addict, which is an escape room which has its own little micro story that you can play. Whether you're just in, you know, just an escape room enthusiast and want to play a game, you're one and done. But if you want to get more involved in that story, yes, we have a whole back end ARG you can participate in. We do have. Um, uh, full-on little episodes all the time and continuously growing the story. Um, so the Count's Den is definitely more immersive theater with an escape room, whereas Horror Escapes with Dr. X is completely separate and those are the escape rooms itself. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So where do you... I mean, obviously you want to kind of like refine Count's Den, but like where do you want to go with this? I mean, you're, you're following your passions right now. What are, what's your, do you have like a, a sense of wanting to expand, wanting to, wanting to do more storytelling as part of this? Because um, there's so many ways. I mean, so many people, particularly in like the escape room business, like their dream is like, I want like something on every corner or like some you know, big complex. And this seems like a slightly different path. Uh, for me, as it, it started with the love of escape rooms. What it's moving into is my passion for immersive shows and, and storytelling and um, experiences where you actually have an emotion, uh, emotional reaction to. And um, me moving forward, I really wanna just focus in on that. Um, well, let me ask you, um, what, what was it about immersive shows? Like, what are the kind of things that have caught you up because I mean, it's so because your story seems to be like you know you started off and escape rooms sort of like opened up this whole new world for you and then you got curious about immersive and that seems to have opened up something something more so what 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 things about immersive what are the what are the things that you're gravitated towards well it opened up an entire new door for me like for an emotional re- response like I feel like when I first started falling in love with escape rooms and started jumping around and doing them I felt like something was missing for me in a sense I got that sense of accomplishment yes yeah. I got that sense of joy and accomplishment and um, felt like I did something productive that day <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know 
having that actor interaction and actually really engulfed in a storyline, um, especially like attending the basement, for an example, I was just like, yes, like more of this, like more actor inter interaction. And, and then I started seeing people going to immersive shows and doing that. And I was like, okay, yes, this is what I'm looking for. It's like, you don't have to just do puzzles to feel accomplished, even mm -hmm. if it's sitting down having like a conversation with an actor in an immersive show. I mean, you can leave a different person in a sense with a different mentality on your own self and self-reflection. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Um, so uh, being involved in the Count Stan in almost a collaborative way with these artists, that's what I want to like see grow. So I'm really content right now with the vampires that we have in here that have developed their characters. They're also, you know, writing these epi these specific episodes that's in the Vampire Origin series. They're collaborating and writing them with me. You know, we're all doing it together. We're writing it together. We're producing it together. We're we're coming together um, as a collective here and all putting our little um, pieces together to create these experiences. On the back end, we're working together of, okay, how should we resp respond on the Slack? Or what can we set up for them in this way? Or what should we do on game night? And, you know, that's, for me, that's what it's about. It's been fun trying, you know, working together with others. Yeah. Did you do, did you do like any kind of like role-playing game stuff like once upon a time? Was that ever part of your background? You know, um, when I was little, I liked to do, like, you know, dress up and play pretend. But as for me, like, role-playing, no, I mean, no, I don't really have a history of any of that. It's just funny because, like, the, the way you describe, I'm going to get my nerd on here, like, the way you describe the Count's Den and, like, what you've done is it, it sounds, and, and this is not meant to, like, belittle at all, like, in fact, quite the opposite. Like, it reminds me a lot of the kind of things we tried to do back in the 90s when we were doing vampire LARPs. But of course, that was all, you know, that emergent storytelling based on like gameplay and like everyone had their own character and kind of like bouncing. And then like the storytellers, you know, we'd be, we'd be crafting larger narratives that they could, all the players could then like play within, within those narratives. Mm. And this, this just sort of like takes the, the game part out of it and just becomes. I'm just wondering, like, how, how improvised are those? Like, do you guys rehearse those things or you just kind of, like, flesh out a scenario and then kind of, like, let it roll? It's like, tonight, tonight at the den, like, the, the scenario you described was Elizabeth mm -hmm. coming in. It's like, okay, Elizabeth's going to do this. And then just, like, let it all kind of improvise out. Like, that's, that's what we know is going to happen at a certain time mm -hmm. and just see where it comes. Or do you sort of, like, map out, okay, like, we know that Elizabeth's going to come in and we know that you're going to do this. Mm -hmm. Like, how... Yeah, how controlled is it? Or is it really just like, we've got a scenario, let's let's roll, it's improv? So it depends. So for the, the game night, yes, we sat around and we were like, okay, this could be the reason. And the reason why actually she was coming in late was because um, she was doing a fringe show prior, <laughs> <laughs> playing God. <laughs> and she's like, hey, I know I'm a little late, but should I come in? And I'm like, yeah, but like bust through game night and disrupt us for like some reason she's like okay i was drinking on a dead body i'm like yeah and walk like a weird way and like yes let's do it she's like okay i'm like give it like five minutes and she's like okay <laughs> so <laughs> it was just really like off the bat um imp improvising um that um but as for the series and the vampire origin series we're rehearsing a couple days a week with actual dialogue on a shared shared Google Doc and, and creating everyone's dialogue and actual scripted dialogue for those shows. So those are very, um, we're actually bringing in, I don't know when this podcast is coming out, so I hope it probably, doesn't. Probably like, it could be as early as this Friday, so. Oh, okay, so yeah. I don't want to give too much okay. info then. Yeah. But, um, you know, we're hiring on like stunt and, and stuff like that oh. to make sure that it's very scripted and, and very, um, okay, now you say this, now you say that. But as for the little game nights and all of that, no, we have fun just improvising and having fun. But, yeah. I love it. I, 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 I really, like, <laughs> like, that was always sort of what, kind of like the dream of for me for vampire LARPing was, was just like people inhabiting their characters and just coming up with, you know, soap opera-ish drama, you know? Um, yeah. 
And that's why having the game nights are so great for the community because it gives them an opportunity to come together collectively and have fun and, and, and talk about things. But then it gives the opportunity for the artists to have an audience well, and the, play. Well, do the, do, I mean, like, so the community, like, are people sort of taking on sort of roles of their own, like, in these, in these unfolding dramas, right? No, we like, kind of have, like, the rules of the world, let's okay. say. So we've given them, they are the trusted mortals. They partake in a ritual to become trusted of this den from the new Countess Cora. Um, there was a count prior to her. We don't know what happened to him. And since he's gone missing, she is now inviting mortals into the space. I am, I play myself as a mortal ally um, to Korra. And so what better people to bring in to, you know, to be trusted mortals than immersive theater people. <laughs> so we played along with that. And so I have invited immersive theater people into this other world. It doesn't blow the vampires cover because they are all playing in different worlds all the time. Right. So not a big deal going into a real vampire coven. But like, do, so, the, so the, the mortals get caught up in intrigues or, cause like you, cause you've got an ARG going. And so there's, <laughs> you mentioned that was gonna happen. Yeah, little screams here and there. <laughs> but yeah, no, so, 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 the, so the, the mortals get sort of caught up in the, in the stories and become like cat's paws for the, for the different vampires or is it more just sort of like they, they, they kind of come down and hang out and see what the drama is? I think it's, since it's so new, it's really taking different twists and turns. As of right now, they come to the den, they hang out, we have game night. On the Slack, we've done like little scavenger hunts around LA for a deeper story for them to figure out. Um, you know, I know they're on the back end right now trying to figure out some stuff about the feeding area <laughs> and, and them contemplating what's really going on. And they have their mor mortal banter behind there to try to figure out what's going on. Um, and so, so, yeah, so right now, it's, I think because it's so new, we're just trying to see what the community wants and then deliver it in a way so that this continuously grows and keeps interest. Cool. Oh, Rachel, I think I'm about to have a bunch of mortals who have escaped the attic uh, come down <laughs> through. So this is a this is a good enough of a time as any. Um, we will check back and see how the how the den has evolved as time goes on. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Once again, I want to thank our guest, Rachel Foti of Horror Escapes LA. Also, uh, just just want to completely reiterate here, uh, Rachel's the co-owner of, I mean, she mentioned her partner, but Rachel's the co-owner of Edmund's Attic and uh, The Count's Den. And Horror Escapes, as we note, is like right next door to... Uh, to Edmund's Attic. It's all this little, they got a little complex going on there. If you want to check uh, all of those, you want to check out Dr. X, you want to check out Edmund's Attic, uh, head on down to horrorescapesla.com. That's how that rolls. And indeed, um, let's let's talk a little bit about this idea of, of micro-community. It's sort of like, well, what's this doing on the show, right? Because um, Rachel and I were talking and, and afterwards, and so some of the questions I had were like, you know, like, you know, I mean, right now she's not charging. Like, is there a plan to charge? And she sort of settled on this idea that, like, she's really looking to just, you know, build build community, right? Like, there's they're they're not they're not looking to at this point like make a mint off of it. They're not they're not looking to to like you know sustain the rent off of you know twenty, thirty, forty dollar memberships going on. Uh, and they're also not looking to you know explode. Um, they don't, they don't need a hundred people in there on, on Thursday nights, right? She doesn't want to have, uh, an event venue. That's not what she's looking. So, so what is the, the point of, of putting, you know, the, someone who's, who's looking to keep it, you know, contained, uh, on the show and the show can like get attention and, you know, spread things around. Well, there's an interesting model here. There's a, there's a very interesting value set. Uh, and by interesting, I don't mean bad. I mean interesting, like all like, oh yeah. Um, and there's a there's a interesting model here. Again, the same, oh yeah, which is this work when it's done with the degree of care 
that you you want it to be done with by its very nature is is hyper local and you know you'll have people drop in and drop out of of experiences or of of micro communities but you know everyone well not everyone but like i'm the kind of person i have my coffee shop i have my cafe i i actually have a couple you know i have like three places that i frequent these days um, and they, they sort of wax and wane on, you know, which one, you know, obviously my local right down the street gets most of my business and time because I'm lazy and it's a half a block away. Uh, there's what used to be my super regular, which is where I try and spend my weekends. <laughs> and then there's, then there's my nighttime spot. Um, so like that's, and, and they're not Starbucks, right? They're, they're hyper local. Uh, they are owned by, um, they're, they're not really big chains. They might have a few, you know, not conglomerate action, but they might, you know, maybe the owners own a couple of places, but that's their, their goal is not, you know, to like become a virus and, and spread out and conquer everything. Right. Um, and that's one of the things that's really interesting about escape rooms and about immersive is from a certain point of view, we're talking about small businesses, we're talking about small businesses that are being sustained in the escape room world. You, you can't really sustain it on the back of a, of, a, of a tight community because once someone's played a game, you know, they're done. But we do have this lovely community in Los Angeles that is super enthusiastic about all this sort of stuff. And so finding a way to give them space to be themselves and find a way to like make that sustainable and indeed finding just finding ways to to have the the community structure be a, a serious support for the growth of not just these small businesses for the sake of like you know let's grow small businesses but it takes physical space to have a community right so this is something you know, that no pro, um, has experienced. This is something, uh, you know, when we, we run down to the thirsty crow, uh, this is something that Leia experiences with Thymeli. Um, you know, it's, it's great to have a base of operations, uh, that third space that Howard Schultz always talks about in wanting Starbucks to be right. So I just kind of want to put a bug in everyone's ear about thinking about third spaces, thinking about just what, what it means to have a sustainable community that needs to manifest in meat space, right? Because, you know, Slack forums are all well and good. Uh, the internet is a great way to stay, you know, up to date on any breaking news. But I think, you know, as we know, the major reason why we do this stuff is because screens aren't satisfying anymore. And that means being in physical space. And there's a model here in the idea of making space for small communities, um, making space for sustainable communities, uh, spaces that aren't, you know, that, that, that can be just for, for play. Just spaces for play. Um, we may dive into this more uh, going forward here at NoPro and along with some of our friends. We, we, may, we may dig around and start thinking about this harder. Um, because if, you know, I think about things like game houses, um, you know, the ca board game cafes, uh, I think about like the, the bars that do that sort of stuff. I think about the resurgence in role-playing games and the people and places that are making space for these things to happen. And some of that popularization is happening because of like streaming on Twitch and everything. Um, and, and some of it's because of, you know, escape rooms and people going down and experiencing things together, but finding this path forward of um you know making space for folks i you know two-bit circus is opening up their space in la uh circus la is talking about getting into a, a similar business i think uh, just in terms of like uh, smaller entertainment spaces i think they're probably gonna be more you know performance based but this is this is a thing this is a real thing um and it's gonna scale in a lot of different ways and I want to hear if you know of more examples out there in the rest of the country. I want to know about them. All right. We're, we're, our, our curiosity is peaked. All right. Um, that was less coherent than I thought it was going to be when I walked into it. Um, 
Hollywood Fringe is still in full swing. Uh, I owe you guys an irregular. I know that. Uh, I'll try and kick one out uh, this weekend. I've got a couple more interviews that we're going to be doing. We will be taking a bye week. Uh, it may be the 4th of July week. It may be the week before that. Um, depends on whether or not some some travel happens. I'm supposed to go to China. Um, I still haven't received the itinerary yet, though. Uh, so, um, yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to China in about a week. Uh, I just, I just need to find out where I'm staying. Um, once I do that, um, I hope I didn't upset anybody. Uh, maybe I should have mentioned it. I'm just like, all, I, I keep on telling everyone I'm going to China. And like, if for some reason I don't step on the plane, uh, you know, it's not because I chickened out. <laughs> I have no qualms about doing the travel uh, unless I, I don't know where I'm staying. So, uh, yeah, uh, hopefully uh, that'll work itself out. And um, I will, um, but we will have an episode next week. Uh, but to the week after, um, you know, um, I'm going to be, I'm going to be jet lagged. So maybe not so much. All right. Let's do the thing that we do. The music for No Persinium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. The sustaining backers of No Persinium are Bradley Smith, Jan Budman, Lonnie Hansen, Arthur Tubman, Ari Hurston, Sam Kinkin, and Ross Sigworth. And of course, this is all made possible by the lovely, amazing folks at Meow Wolf down in Santa Fe. If you haven't checked them out, oh my goodness, Go check them out. And they will soon be popping up in Denver and Las Vegas. And by soon, I mean we're talking in a matter of, you know, like, you know, months and months. But still, that's in the grand scheme of things, that's soon. So, Meow Wolf, making it all possible for so many of us. I'm Noah Nelson. This has been No Persinium. And until next time, I'll see you at the show. <laughs> <laughs>